When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word, World Cup Daily. Day 21, out of Collins, Jeff Lemon from Seabus Super. The Industry Super Fund clobbering your retirement for six and what a gorgeous sight. We said we'd do this pod from all sorts of places and last night we said that maybe Trent Bridge is indeed just a bridge named after Trent. Well, we're walking back over the Trent from Punchbowl Bridge towards the middle of town at Nottingham after watching New Zealand win a thriller. The 21st day of the tournament's brought the first final over finish and Chef, as we see the sunset behind the pub in front of us, tell us all about it in 30 seconds. Well, just walking over the River Trent first is a thing I'd never dreamed I'd be able to do. The Trent River, the River Trent, the home of the Trent Rockets. It's a, it's a lovely thing to be able to do here in ye old England. But in 30 seconds or less... Give it a go, why don't you? It was Birmingham, it was slow, it was stodgy, it was a difficult pitch to bat on perfect conditions for Hashim Amla, the battler, the South African battler. He made a slow 50, ground out some runs, wickets fell, it was... uh it was Lockie Ferguson who was bowling like fire, knocked a few over, kept South Africa to 241. It looked like New Zealand would stuff it up, but Kane Williamson batted all the way through after Marty Guptill kicked over his own stumps to spark a collapse. They got there with a couple of balls to spare. As ever, we've missed a few things along the way, but isn't that part of the journey, colouring in the gaps and what we didn't hear the first time around, coming around, relooping? For example, Kane Williamson, 106 he finished with from... A lot of balls, but that didn't matter because the bloke doesn't panic. He knew exactly what he needed to do. He took it to the last over in keeping with what we see in T20 cricket. He never put the foot down until the very last moment and did it to perfection. 130 plus deliveries he faced in that innings because it was difficult to score out there. It wasn't the sort of pitch where you could freely play your shots. He did play a couple of gorgeous off drives but mostly he was content to accumulate and wait and there were various moments when he could have panicked. He could have panicked on one for... 80 when Martin Guptill played a hook shot, did a 360 and kicked his own stumps over and then two more wickets fell in quick succession. He could have panicked when Colin de Grandon was out 
late in the innings. He'd made 60 and then suddenly Mitchell Santner was coming in. They needed 14 or 14 balls and things were getting very hairy. He didn't panic at any of those times. He took it into the last over and even when the asking rate got above a runner ball, he calmly pumped a six out to deep mid-wicket to raise his 100 and then got a boundary to finish things off. It's quite melodic from you. It's like you're delivering some of your spoken where We're passing a shop called Top Knot, which is almost like a, a throw-out to Mitchell McLenahan if he was playing for New Zealand at the yeah. moment, but the hair and beauty salon. So as we go through, there's a pub here the called dispensary. The Dispensary, which is ever so kind of them to... To, uh, well, ever so kind, ever so lovely to have that setting on the balcony here. I wish we could have joined them for a pint. We've got places to be. That's why we're doing this podcast on the walk today. On the move. Colin de Granholm, he's a large individual, as his name would suggest, and mm-hmm. he was large today for New Zealand. He, with the ball, probably as importantly as the bat, one for 33 from 10 overs, as I start panting a bit, uh, and uh, and 60 with the blade <laughs> alongside Kane Williamson. And, and and again, you know, you talk about playing your role. They, they've had two all-rounders in this side for the duration of the tournament. wasn't clear they go with that approach the whole way through, but it's working for them. Yes, yeah, sonically, this is going to be an intimate journey as, as we um, start to test our aerobic fitness. But... That, as you say, that double all-rounder stack, it worked today. Jimmy Neesham made an important 20-odd to bat with Williamson and just see them through some tricky overs after the collapse. And then when he was out, he became Chris Morris's third wicket. Chris Morris bowled pretty well, got a, a little bit lucky to get Ross Taylor tickling down the leg side, but he bowled a beauty to Tom Latham to nick him off and then nicked off Neesham as well. So suddenly, uh, things were, were looking pretty ropey. Neesham had steadied it a bit, but de Grandheim was was the key player. He had to make sure that he stayed in, but he also pulled out the odd big shot just to keep him and the crowd entertained as well. But you definitely felt for Mitch Santner having to come in late in the game. He's sort of, with his thick-rimmed spectacles and his slender frame, he, he looks like a sort of, I don't know, like a, a kid on Halloween playing Harry Potter who's just wandered into the wrong place. And he's like, oh, geez, I don't, don't know about all these people bowling at me. <laughs> But and Bill Laurie's his dad, evidently. Yeah, apparently. There's a, a few, well, a bit of upstairs, downstairs in that household. <laughs> but, uh, uh, if, if Colin de Granholm's our first contender for player of the day, the second may very well be Lockie Ferguson. The delivery he bowled to Faf Duplessis to bend back his off stump, it was the perfect Yorker. That is to say, it was 149 mm. kilometres an hour. The definition of unplayable. Maybe Faf could have got his bat down a fraction quicker, but, I mean, how could you? It was brilliant. Well, he was done for pace because it went under the toe of the bat, mm. and Faf was just trying to block it out, but he was completely beaten, and he remained in the defensive forward pose for about 10 seconds after he felt heard the stumps go behind him because uh, he knew that there was nothing more he could have done. Ferguson now has 11 wickets in the tournament, which puts him two behind Stark and yep. Muhammad Amir, I think it is. So right. for a bowler who wasn't that well known I suppose because I mean he was obviously played IPL and, 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 and real badges would be across his form but he's not someone who's been prominent on the world stage a little bit of Jeff Allard in that from 1999 a, a guy who uh, has come to the tournament and taken a bag of wickets at decent pace so he took three for 49 mentioned Colin de Granholm already Trent Bolt was in the wickets early on and really nice delivery to remove Quinton de Kock well not just remove him but smashed his leg stump out of the ground it was angled in from left arm over to the left hander who I think basically just missed a straight one but on the angle it, it pumped leg stump and made it do about six cartwheels backwards which was 
which is pretty spectacular. We're just picking up some radio sounds from a building site that we're now walking yeah, through. Yeah, and, and our roadblock of sorts. I, I think we're not far away from needing to consult Google Maps. That'll be good radio. Yeah. Uh, in terms of South Africa, their campaign comes to an inglorious end. Now, it's, it was 20 years in this tournament since they'd last beaten New Zealand in a, in a World Cup game on the same ground they were playing at today, as it happens at uh, Edgebaston. But it wasn't to be uh, on, on this occasion, uh, South Africa... Um, that's their, this is their worst World Cup, really. There's no way of, there's no way of saying anything other than that, is it? They've not even threatened to beat a, a side apart from Afghanistan. They've been well behind the pace. They nearly got there today, of course. I don't want to diminish their performance. But it wouldn't, have been, it wouldn't have been a convincing win, Adam. Yeah, that's if, right. Had they got there today, it would have been a lucky one that New Zealand stuffed up because they had the chase in hand before those wickets fell. And you would have felt like New Zealand had thrown one away rather than South Africa getting a, a glorious victory. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember whether I said this on the podcast yesterday or not, but we're on track to have 11 dead rubbers in this game. A lot of those are going to be played by South Africa, regrettably, as they work their way towards the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they, they, I mean, they came into the tournament no one expecting an awful lot. But it was only a couple of years ago they beat Australia 5-0 at home, flogged Australia 5-0 at home. It feels like the, the, the fall has been quite steep for them. Yep. And I wonder whether there'll be... You know, I wonder how their regroup will go. I wonder how they'll take being so far behind the pace, given uh, their form in white ball cricket over the last 25 years. Yeah. Yeah, the fall's been rapid, and it's been... Well, bewildering. I think a lot of people in South Africa are, are really hurting right now. So not to make light of your situation, it's a difficult time for that team. They've got to play at Pakistan uh, to try to see if they can find some sort of pride out of this. But it wasn't much of a performance today, really, even though they got close in the end. But we did get that close finish, which we've been waiting for. In terms of true player of the day, of course, it is Kane Williamson. 106 not out, all told. That's six after the four. The glide to third man deserves a, a mention in its own right. Last ball of Lungi and Gidi's spell, so it was the final ball of the penultimate over in a rain-reduced game yep. down to 49 overs. So the last ball of the 48th. Williamson, 11 to win. So the thinking was just retain the strike, get a single, be up the business end for the final over. Yep. No, no. He plays his shot so well. We've seen him in test cricket beat gully and beat backward points so frequently. But he went finer again. He got it past the man on the circle at short third man, ran it away for four, just absolute perfection, uh, which meant that he wasn't on strike for the first ball of the next over, but the task was considerably easier. Back on strike, massive six, and a four to win the game. It it was the perfect finish. Yeah, well, he trusted Mitchell Santner to get him the one run and and get him back on strike. And as we saw in that classic against Australia in the last World Cup at Eden Park, he can hit a six to win a game when it's time. So (laughs) So the six drew scores level, and then the four just finished it off. So beautifully played, Kane Williams. And it was perfectly set up for his kind of player. So, you know, maybe our, my player of the day would be Lockie Ferguson just for the excitement. But yes. Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was going to say, sticking with Ferguson, as we walk down through an industrial estate, I wouldn't have a clue where we are. Hopefully we make it to the Calcutta Club for dinner at some time, sometime uh, sooner rather than later. Um, Lockie Ferguson, I'm going to nominate for Hall of Fame for aesthetic reasons. He's bowling in a long sleeve shirt that's untucked and black boots but they don't even look like they're cricket boots they look like they might just be sneakers and I mean <laughs> imagine if you actually had a pair of cricket sprigs on um, what he might be able to do in terms of the speed radar he was he looked a treat today he's I think he's got cult hero written all over him yeah uh, well you know anyone with a mustache basically becomes a cult hero by That's default well. in Probably cricket me, <laughs> so you could have his kit in the hall of fame you could have his yorker in the hall of fame that destroyed off stump and you could probably have faf's just little nod of recognition to ferguson <laughs> after after faf finally came up from his genuflection in the forward defensive pose he just locked eyes with ferguson and then yep 
bold. The other contender, and I love that too, by the way. It's that, it's that kind of hardened old grizzled pro thing. Like, yep, too good, mate. No dramas. I'm happy to walk <laughs> off for that. Um, the, the the second obvious Hall of Fame nominee is Martin Guptill. Not for the runs he scored, but the way that he got himself out, Jeff. <laughs> it was. It truly was spectacular. So he takes on the short ball from Pelaquia. And he just gets it over mid-wicket. You know, it's a, it's a clunky sort of shot and it lobs over the man. And all the South African players are going, ah, because they think it's a near miss. He does a full 360 and then he comes down to brace to start to run for the single that Williamson wants. And his back foot slips out and kicks his stumps over, kicks one stump over. And he's looked back and noticed and no one else on the field has. And he starts walking off and then you see sort of Faf de Plessis in the background at slip, lift his head up in, in dismay at missing this near chance and then go, oh, hang on, hang on. And then suddenly they start celebrating. So I think for for that glorious bit of of uncoordination from a professional athlete, that's going to be the whole thing. Yeah, I think you're right. When you get a rare dismissal like that in a World Cup, in you go. That's the end of part one. Jeff, how about this? We've got a new spin on Nerd Pledge, but it's sent through by our great mates at Seabus Super. Really? Tell me what we've got. 9.8. Two nine. Okay, so that would have to be nine for twenty nine, which mm. would be the New Zealand batting collapse against Pakistan when Yasir Shah took eight for. That's very good from you, spot on. But nine point two nine percent is also Seabus Super's average annual return for their default investment option over the last thirty four years. I did not anticipate that completely organic segue. Goodness me! Uh, do we have another number? We do actually, as it happens. 50. Okay, 50 is probably the most common number in cricket, maybe aside from naught, so that's not too clear, but maybe it's the good bit of Bradman's career in between the debut at the Echo where he sucked and then the last test where he made a duck. Very nice. Right again. Also, $50 billion is how much of their members' money CBUS currently have invested. Well, I've learned something new. CBUS Super, the industry super fund hitting your retirement for six years. You can visit cbussuper.com.au to find out more. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. To consider a CBUS is right for you, go to CBUS Super com.au for PDS. This is the final word World Cup Daily, day 21. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon for Bus Super. Casting an eye ahead, the reason we are in Trent Bridge and the reason we are struggling as we make our way to town <laughs> and we are short of breath is because we are going to be watching Australia play Bangladesh tomorrow. Jeff... A fixture that six months ago when, when they were releasing wh- who was playing when and where may not have looked like a particularly huge game in the context of this tournament. Of course, Australia have New Zealand and England next week, but suddenly mm. this has a lot more importance than, than what it may have appeared. Well, the importance it has is keeping some teams outside the top four alive because if Bangladesh win here, they're still well and truly in the running. They could still be in the running if they lose here, but they'd need to win all their remaining games. Mm. But if, if Australia lose here, then, then it opens up a bit of a vulnerability in that top four as well. Of course, that's probably not going to happen, but Bangladesh have been playing very, very nicely recently. They've got a, a good team from 1 to 11, and if they can sort of stomach the magnitude of the occasion, then who knows? We've spent a lot of time on the final word in the longer form show talking about the, the poor way that Australian officials have treated Bangladesh over their journey as a full member nation since 2000, but um, perhaps the, the sharpest way we can explain that is that in bilateral cricket, Australia have not played Bangladesh in a one day since 2011, and one game at the World Cup, I think it was in 2011, uh, sorry, one, one subsequent game, sorry, Champions Trophy game at the Oval a couple of years ago, and that's it. There's no form to go on. They're doing all their research via videotape. Yep. Um, and, you know, have no idea really who these players are or, or what they do. So that could be a factor, I suppose, in the Australians being caught a bit off guard. But, of course, Bangladesh haven't been able to prepare either. As for South Africa, they've got to try to pull their socks up and pull themselves together 
they've got to take on Pakistan at Lords this coming Sunday. And the day before that, New Zealand take on the West Indies on the Saturday. I think that's the night game. So yep. it's going to be an important one for New Zealand to maintain their momentum. They've got a couple of wins, but they haven't looked entirely convincing, you've got to say, against Bangladesh and against South Africa. Yeah, New Zealand get the chance to eliminate the West Indies the way in which they've knocked out South Africa today. Just on that Australia conundrum, Jeff, before we finish up, who knows who's going to play tomorrow for Australia? There's there's 15 in the squad and evidently all of them are available because they are saying that Marcus Stoinis is probably fit they're not mate they're not uh, they're not hitching their wagon to him definitely playing but they're saying mm. that at this stage they think he'll play so would they risk him you know if yeah. he's if he's got that side strain and if he re-aggravates that we're about to get some nice background music of a tram driving past us which i'm sure will be pleasant for everybody but yeah do they do they risk aggravating that injury do they go in with that sort of heavily loaded batting lineup? Do they go in with the extra bowler? Well, maybe they take the risk on Stoinis, knowing that if he injures it again, Mitchell Marsh is ready to roll. Um, there's a question as to whether they play Zampa or even Nathan Lyon. Does, uh, does Nathan Coulton I'll come back into the side? A lot of questions at the toss tomorrow, which will make it interesting at 10 o'clock when the coin is flipped. And then, of course, we will see whether Australia can win there. And if they do, they're into the semi-finals, and yeah. that, that's, they'll be the first team to qualify. I think they just about can't miss if they win tomorrow. They're more or less locked in, but they've got the blockbuster games against New Zealand and England to come, but at least they'll have their spot locked away. Jeff, I think after this walk back into town, we probably should wrap this up. <laughs> I've got, I reckon we probably shouldn't do this walking again. It's, it, was no. a, it was a nice idea. It was good to experiment. It was you know? a nice idea, but we have been distracted by a range of things on the way. Yep. We are not fit enough to be doing this justice at the moment so yep. thanks for sticking with us congratulations to New Zealand for a fine victory in a low scoring contest today thanks for your company thanks to Seabus Super the industry super fund hitting your retirement for six thanks bad producer productions and Jay Mueller we will talk to you tomorrow I ain't protected by the way I'm fenced in my future questions my current senses that'll be the same we've been doing for centuries sorry if I ran out to empty wrote this so you know what I meant I had to go about it right it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you Every day, hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super Option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS, for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.